This is Amateur Logic, episode 122 for October 15th, 2018. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. And by ICOM. See how you can get the most out of this contest season with ICOM. Good evening, welcome to Amateur Logic episode 122. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Jim. I'm Emil. And boy, it's our 13th anniversary celebration here on Amateur Logic. 13 years. We're getting the band back together tonight. We've got our original lead vocalist <laughs> and guitar player here. It's Jim. Jim, thanks for Cheers. being here with us tonight. Welcome Cheers. Back, Jim. Nice to be here. Yeah, have you got a glass there, Emil? Got it. There you go. All right. Let's see, see buddy. Clink, clink. <laughs> clink, clink. Long distance. <laughs> if Peter was here, we'd have to turn it upside down. I think that's. I think we did. <laughs> Maybe not all the way. No. Oh, I can't reach it. We, I can. We, what are you sure? Yeah. You ready? Yeah, would you like a little more? Yeah, why not? Are we going to make a cantana out of that when we get done? I don't know, man. <laughs> It'd be hard. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll have to move it over in front of me. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Not covering it. <laughs> As you can see, Welch's. <laughs> the finest. Only the best. <laughs> and we, we played that episode tonight, pre-show. <laughs> That's not Welch's there. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> I told Emil I wish I was drinking with him tonight. Yeah, 13 years. It's hard to believe that. Everyone over in the chat room, by the way, is taking a drink when we mentioned 13. So. I hope you guys aren't driving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because this is 13. Yeah, it oh, is. Stop that. <laughs> it's hard to believe it's been 13. It really is. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah. I was thinking about that on the way over here, man. I, I swear, it's it seems like it was yesterday. We were standing out at that Wi-Fi site out there. Yeah, went by fast, no doubt. Yeah, and that, you know, that seemed like that was a really long show back when we were doing. I don't think that was only like twenty-two minutes. So. Yeah, probably, I know. Probably took like hours to render that out back on the oh yeah computers back then. It did. You know, you're running Windows XP, so. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, using uh, consumer video cameras with uh, DV tapes. Remember those? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. DV Many DVs. Firewire yeah. to hook it up to your computer. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Real time, wasn't it? It, wasn't, it was real time transfer, too, wasn't it, for whatever you shot? I think it yeah. was, it yeah. Was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, it did take a lot longer to do things. We've We've pretty much replaced all the gear we're using since then, except... That microphone you got on there, Jim? 
a right. lavalier like yeah. this one. That's one of the originals. It's one of the originals. Yeah. I've still got I, my original one. I still use it. Oh, yeah. I've got They're actually at least one or two more like that. Pretty yeah. good mics, aren't oh, they? Oh, yeah. Radio Shack. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I did change the battery in it. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything else uh, has probably been replaced two, three times over. Yeah. The cameras. Yeah, I know I've been through myself. At least three cameras since we yeah. started. Oh, yeah. Technology, man. Wow. And, well, no, was four cameras, probably. I've still got three that, <laughs> that I've used in the past. Yeah. yeah. Two uh, of them still of, use. Yeah. A couple of generations of connectivity, right? HD, yeah. 16 by 9, all That's kind right. of changes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we made the jump to HD. That was huge. And back in the yeah. early days, when we had to do the web hosting over dial-up, man, it it was slow. <laughs> I saw a modem when I came in to Georgia's tonight sitting over there, and I was like, what is this modem doing? But that was something. some way to upload the video. Yeah, yeah Tommy said, well, how do you connect to the Internet? <laughs> so it's like time warp. <laughs> oh, it really is. Uh, and I know everyone is tired of looking at this radio package here on the desk, the IC7300. And Told him I could help him with that. Yeah, he did. But I asked him, did he register? And he said no. And I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, the entry's cut off on Thursday. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, somebody's going to be pretty happy. About yeah. Yeah. Somebody a little bit later in the show tonight. Yep. Yeah, yeah I you quit, you know, quit really teasing, nice rig. Quit teasing me with this headset right here. I keep looking at. Yeah. You, 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 I would have thought it blended right in, and you wouldn't even notice it was yeah. there. <laughs> I'm probably going to buy one of these next, maybe next I time like to the Hamfest. Yeah, I do too. I got it on the air one night, and it. Everybody told me it. It sounded great. Yeah. And uh, as far as what I was hearing on the headset there. It, Real good audio. I've got too. some of Bob's mics at home just that I use for personal use and ham use. And, uh, man, I love them. I don't say that just because, you know, he's Bob. Bob. Yeah. I really yeah, they're, do. They're good. It yeah. really is some good stuff. I was using a Sure for a good while until uh, George kind of introduced me to the PR-22. PR-22, man. I had that Sure back out of the drawer. Oh, yeah. No, me neither. I've yeah. got... I've got a bunch of Shures because, you know, industry music. standard, yeah. 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 And PA systems and stuff, but, yeah, mine hadn't been out of the box in years. Yeah, I, I ditto that. Emil, let me ask you a question. You you are listening to the audio there. Are we about level? Everybody's. Yeah, it sounds good to me over here. And speaking of uh, the whole mic thing, I'm still, I still have the PR781. Uh, even when I upgraded my com from the 746 to the 9100. That's, uh, that PR781 is perfect match for that rig. Cool. Yes, yeah. sir. Well, Jim. Absolutely. What have you been up to? Now, I'm not going to talk about that project you're working on just yet. We're going to hold that out because Jim has been doing something real cool here. But just in general, let's see, it's probably been two, three years anyway before, since you've been on. Yeah, yeah. Lots of things, but... I kind of got off heavy into some software there for a while, and uh, but you can only do so much programming, you know. Yeah. 
before uh, before you blow a 50 amp fuse or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You you just will warp your brain if you just steadily steadily proceed down that road. So uh, I I don't know. I was working on something. I'm trying to remember now what that was. Oh yeah, it was my uh, my time nuts gig. I'm uh, a part of this mailing list that uh, goes by the name of Time Nuts, and probably a lot of ham people have heard of it. In fact, I know a lot of ham people have heard of it because there are a lot of ham people on that radio list. I mean on that mailing list. But uh, suffice it to say for the show's purposes, it's uh, it's just a, a bunch of guys that really get into doing some precise time measurement. And we're talking precise, too. Yeah, we, we really are, like, <laughs> down in the nano, pico, nano, fermento seconds even. But uh, it all start, that's how it all started. And, and I couldn't, I needed to amplify a signal coming out of an oscillator. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at most of those oscillators in, the, in that time and stuff run at 10 megahertz and 10 megahertz is not that high in frequency but it's high enough in frequency that i couldn't just whip together a little one transistor amplifier and make it work and i didn't have an op amp that would slew that fast so that was the real Mm. impetus right there and i said buddy i'm so tired of not knowing the low level fundamentals of discrete components I'm going to buckle down and learn it. And so that started about the last two or three years' worth of journey. And uh, where it led to was in the audio. And uh, I, I don't know how long, for the last maybe year, I've been building some audio amps, discrete component audio amps, you know, just mm-hmm. transistors, resistors, capacitors. And uh, it's just really been fun. Super fun. Yeah, we're going to take a look at some of that here in just a little bit. And I've got to say, man, yeah. <laughs> Jim doesn't just go into thing, anything halfway, Tommy. No, no what? No, <laughs> he takes it to the hilt. <laughs> if you don't do something, you got to go all in. you right? got to get enthusiastic go, about it. Go big or go home. <laughs> you got to get enthused and you got yeah. to you got to just get enthused about well, it. That's cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely look at it. Yep. It, it, trust me, it's going to be cool. Y'all want to hang around for that. Email, what's been going on down south there? Well, besides the uh, the weather getting uh, fallish for a change, it's awesome down here. It's been in the 70s, and all uh, the day it was in the 60s, which is uh, unusual. But wow. uh, still going up and down. I'm sure you guys have seen the same thing. Yep. But um, uh, I, I've been toying around with some... Uh, uh, making uh, Internet of Things great again by adding my <laughs> flavor up to it of uh, the cheap old Internet of Things, right? So that's what we'll be talking about on my uh, end today. Oh, cool. Yep. And good this day. this was pretty much cost-free, huh? Well, uh, <laughs> not quite, but close. Well, yeah, you guys know me by now. There's some catches in there, but I, I try to focus on the, the topic at hand. And so it's it's involving the Raspberry Pi, so there's the cheap right there. There okay. you go. Depending on what's in your junk box, hey, you mill. That's as, right. That's as exactly to whether right. it's free or not, yeah. 
<laughs> so, Tommy, what have you been up to? Well, I had a little raspberry pie this month also. You did? Yeah, I did. Uh, so I dug out uh, one of the toys I bought at Dayton, not this year, but actually the year before. It's been sitting there. and I've, I've used it, but uh, I had a purpose for it, so I went ahead and uh, dug that out. And I'll show you, show you about that shortly. Cool. Okay. Well, I've been, um, what have I been doing? I've been doing a little Arduino and a little... Cool. Uh, not not heavy duty Arduino now. Probably the simplest program I've ever written on an Arduino, and uh, it's mm, pretty much it, it could be down on the level of Hello World. That that simple. Okay. Oh. But sounds riveting. It's part of a, a larger project that I'm working on. But just like you were saying, Jim, you got that one little hurdle that you got to get over. That's right. And and so you say, I'm just going to have to dig on into it. I dug on into to, to that project I was working on there. It can lead down a long rabbit hole in well, some got, cases. Now you got me intrigued if it's, uh, it's that simple of a program and it uh, was a hurdle. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah. I, I, seem to, I seem to remember some uh, Hello Worlds on this one, maybe from Jimmy even, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. There's been more than one Hello World and Blinky Light program on here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tommy, why don't we get on into your segment here? Okay. Do you need to set it up, or is it already pre-set? Uh, it's pretty well set up. Let's let's just go for it. Okay. This time I'm going to do a little project I've been putting off a little while. I, I don't know why. I just haven't done it. Uh, a couple of years ago in Dayton at the Hamfest at Hamvention, I bought this uh, SDR Play RSP2 really nice i've been using it on my mac and on my windows pc but when i originally bought it i intended on trying to hook it up to a raspberry pi and having it in my little corner uh computer i normally have a pi running on where i can use it anytime i want to and not tie up my computer you know do other things with it so anyway i'm gonna try to get that going um i noticed since i bought it that the good people at sdr play put together a Raspberry Pi image, so it should take all the hard work out of it. I'm going to try going that route this time. We're going to download it, uh, install it, and, and see how it works. Uh, first of all, we've got to get our uh, Raspberry Pi going. So I bought a Raspberry Pi 3. Bought a Pi 3 at the same Hamfest, I believe. And I've got a little external speaker just for testing. It's, it's kind of a little cheapy, but it'll do to make sure we get it going, and I'll hook it up to a better set of speakers. And then comes the big part. Um, the SDR software is very CPU-intensive, so we need a little extra cooling on our Raspberry Pi. So I bought this case off of Amazon. Um, you can see it right here. And it comes with the case, a cooling fan, and heat sinks, everything we need, power supply and everything uh, to get it going. So let's go ahead and put this together first, and then we'll jump over to the computer and download the software and get that configured. Okay, it doesn't quite fit. It looks like this piece right here is going to be in the way of these four header pins. So we're going to have to do something about that. Okay, so I ran into a little problem, as you could tell. 
My case apparently must have been designed for a Raspberry Pi 2, where the paperwork said it was for a 3. So anyway, I had to take it out and trim some of the pieces that didn't fit right and get a little bit creative with it. But it's, it's here and it's all together. So let's see. So the top should go on now. And the fan needs to go on. Except it needs to go this way. Nope. Let's go this way. So we have access to this. Okay, after hooking up the power supply, I hooked up the pins wrong on it, so I, I got those corrected. When I hit the button, I do see the fan come on. The fan is so quiet, I went ahead and put it on the higher speed, which is the 5 volt pins. And I can tell there's a little bit but a little bit faster uh, rotation on the fan, so we're going to run with that. Okay, now that we've got our Raspberry Pi in the case and we've tested the fan, I've got it set over here, partially plugged up to run off my monitor here, and I'll hook the speaker up to it when we get finished. Let's get our software. Uh, the good people at Software, uh, SDR Play rather, created the image for us. I've already downloaded it. But you can go to strplay.com, downloads, software and documentation, choose Raspberry Pi, and get this image right here. Now, I've already done it. Um, it comes in a, a uh, 7Z file, which is 7-zip. So you're going to need to go, if you don't have something for that, just find the 7-zip site, uh, 7zip.org, and download it. And install it. It's free, and it's a it's a nice program. Be sure to get the one for your operating system. I've already downloaded it, and I've I've got the image unzipped right here just to purpose of saving some time. I've got Win32 Disk Imager already on my computer, and I've got my little micro SD card I'm going to use in my Raspberry Pi already in my card reader here. So let's go ahead and burn the image to that. We'll go browse it. I've got it sitting on my desktop. So let's go desktop, SDR play, and my device. And let's go ahead and write it. Okay, so this will run through. It'll take a few minutes. Be careful when you choose your drive letter not to overwrite one of your drives that you uh, have your valuable data on. Now that we've got the image on the SD card, I put it into the Raspberry Pi, and I've got it hooked up here. It should come up on this monitor, but uh, I'm also recording it here so I can show it to you, so don't pay attention to the extra hardware. But anyway, let's go ahead and go through the setup process. Comes up with SDR Play, it's all ready. But first thing we're really going to need to do is we need to go through and make sure that we're on the network. I want to be on the Wi-Fi so we can see. So I went ahead and I plugged up my keyboard to the Raspberry Pi uh, before I booted it. Now let's go through the Wi-Fi setup. And I will pick my own Wi-Fi. 
Let's see if it works. It should be as easy as doing easy play. It works much better when we connect our our SDR play. So I've got my HF antenna hooked up here. I'm going to go ahead and hook this up to antenna 1 on the SDR play. Got a USB cable here to hook it up to the Pi, so I'll hook that up. And then we'll plug this up to the Raspberry Pi. And it is connected. We should be able to go through here and pick uh, Cubic SDR. That's the software that's on here to, for SDR stuff. And you see we're just using 26% already. We haven't really started decoding anything yet, so... And there's our SDR play. So let's go ahead and start. Point. There we go. 102.9. That's the station that's fairly close. It's working pretty good. It's on FM, not FM stereo, so let's try stereo. They're running at 98% right there, but I don't really plan on listening to that anyways. So let's uh, let's try some HF. We'll go lower sideband, and we'll go down to... Uh, drop that to 0 0.7... 7300 Gotta find one a little stronger for right now Well, it looks to me like it's working. Well, I would call that a success. It's pretty it's pretty intensive on the CPU, like I say 95%, but uh it's it's working and it doesn't sound really good decoding uh two streams of audio for stereo, uh which I don't intend to listen to that on it anyway. Um but it does sound good on uh, lower sideband, so I'll, I'll be using it for some HF and some things like that. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thanks to the SDR Play guys for putting the image together. It really was painless. Uh, I downloaded it, booted up, hooked, got on my cell phone the Wi-Fi, which is not even really even required, and plugged in my SDR Play and ran the program, and it just worked, as you saw, so... Thanks to those guys for doing all the hard work. And uh, 73, we'll see you next time. Nice. Well, it was really easy, man. I, I thought I was going to have to do some fiddling with it. I didn't try this at all before I did my segments. So I was surprised. I was, it was just real. Really, real, I didn't <laughs> plug it in. Works um, much better. But, yeah, it works a lot better when you plug it up. Uh, but it, uh, the Raspberry Pi did really well, except for, for the two channels of stereo. It, it yeah. had a little bit of trouble decoding, too. Yeah, it's but a lot for, of bandwidth. Yeah, but for a single-channel audio, for sideband yeah. or whatever, it worked great. Yeah, it sounded yeah. great. Yeah, it sounded like it had a little difficulty with that FM broadcast signal, but, you know, that's probably 
trying to decode 75 kilohertz of, mm-hmm. yeah, or of more. spectrum there all at once. Yeah. On that. yeah, I've been wanting to play with one of those little SDR plays. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. nice. I like, like it. Uh, really interesting boxes. And I've had a used, I've used it a fair amount. Uh, I just haven't hooked it up to the Pi, which is what yeah. I really intended yeah. on doing when I it's got it. It's cool how you can put them on the network, too. Mm-hmm. So... What do you think about the sensitivity of it as compared to an HF radio? It, it's it's pretty good. Uh, I really should probably try to do some type of measurement against my uh, 7100 or something. It's a good some idea. Point. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's I can hear very, very well with it. So I haven't noticed any problems. Yeah. Cool. Emil, have you done any SDR stuff much? Yeah. In, in fact, I have the... Uh, one of the I don't have the SDR Play. I've kind of been wanting to get one of those, but I have uh, the cheaper, of course, USB dongles. And but I do have a a 32-bit laptop with a little bit more oomph. I was thinking too, Tommy. There's a way in the Cubic SDR um, to just change the sample rates, and it it'll lower the CPU usage a little bit and decode. Right. Ah. Yeah, I, I did drop it down to one. Uh, okay. One. Yeah, but uh, anyway, I, I need to play with it a little bit more. Um, but the, I don't really plan on listening to stereo with it anyway. Right. Um, I'll, I'll just turn the radio on and listen for that. Uh, that's awesome that it works on the Pi, though. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty cool. They did a great job on the uh, on the image. Yeah. Now you got a use for that Raspberry Pi. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, Jim, you've, you haven't been doing much radio lately. You were telling us before the show that you're starting to get enthused about it again. Yeah, uh, and it's kind of just a follow-on. I've really been getting interested in, in SDR lately and uh, watching some things on building some oscillators. And uh, the thing I'm really interested in right now, I just ordered an, an uh, SI5351A, I think it is, uh, a little uh, mm-hmm. oscillator. I, I think I'm going to build a uh, up converter for the little SDR dongle I've got. So mm-hmm. convert the ham bands up to like 100 megahertz or 120 megahertz. Get over the FM band, and uh, and yeah, and see. Uh, I've been looking at. I don't know why. I just got interested in mixers and the differences between single balance mixer mixers and double balance mixers and and uh, playing with a transistor. I think I can build uh, my own discrete balanced mixer. A pretty decent one anyway. I don't know. It'll be something fun to experiment with and yeah. see. Sounds like it, yeah. yeah. Definitely. And you'll you'll start chasing down that trail. Yeah. No telling where you'll end no, up. No telling <laughs> where. Some we'll of those, some of those progress. Yeah, some of those homebrew guys, uh, SDR homebrew guys, man, they are super serious. There's some super serious guys out there, and they have built some really quality stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You got and, out there? SDR.org, you guys ever go over there? It's been a while. Man, you can listen. You know, they, they have their stuff online, just like the uh, SDR plays. And, of course, mm-hmm. you can listen to radios all around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've been to uh, a number of the online SDR sites. And those guys, I don't know what kind of hardware they're using, but, you know, they are, they're covering a lot of bandwidth. <laughs> yeah. And they got a lot of people listening. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All to different frequencies. Right. Some, uh, some of those guys, if you go to their site, they show, they have pictures, of, and a lot of it is homebrew stuff. Mm-hmm. 
John noticed your glass is empty, Jim, so anytime... Well, how can you, that be? John is very observant. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, as a matter of fact, um, there's a group I talk to in HF frequently. Some nights, if one guy can't hear everybody in the queue, so maybe there's one guy that can't hear, ah. they'll hop over. We've been using an SDR over in uh, Utah. Yeah. a good bit. It seems to be able to hear everybody fine. And there's not that much delay, man. I mean, it's... Yeah. It's, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Pretty tight. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a break for just a second, get a message from ICOM, and we're going to be right back with more. Heard it, worked it, logged it. It's time to get the transceiver that's best suited for your lifestyle. ICOM offers a variety of high-performance and innovative products. See how you can make the most out of contest season with these transceivers. The competitive edge you've been looking for, raise the bar and hear what others cannot with this flagship HF 50 MHz transceiver, the IC7851. Reciprocal mixing dynamic range, crystal clear local oscillator design, spectrum scope, dual receivers, and digital voice recorder. The IC7610 is the SDR every ham wants and just in time for contesting season. This high-performance SDR has the ability to pick out the faintest signals even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The new ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of a SDR transceiver. RF direct sampling, 110 RMDR, independent dual receiver, dual digicell. IC7300 is changing the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. And thanks, ICOM, for sponsoring AmateurLogic.tv for, I don't know how many years now, but a number of years. Uh, and, I'm not sure how many it is, but I appreciate every single one of them. You know, we yeah. were talking about SDR stuff right before we went on the break, and this little rig right here, that's one of the best SDR rigs going, in my opinion. And for the price, it's a no-brainer. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can't yeah. beat it. Yeah. I, I mean... We were talking before the show, but I'm seriously, seriously considering purchasing one of these for myself. They're, I think they're mm, really. You nice. won't be disappointed with it. Yeah. 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 I, I definitely won't. There's a lot of people that has purchased those in the last couple of years, and everybody pretty much has been very happy with them, especially at that price, man. Yeah. It's hard to uh, beat. Yeah. It's hard to beat. Well, Jim, I told you we were going to talk about what you've been up to, but actually, I was wrong. We're going to talk about the Internet of Cheap Old Things. Cool, baby. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, why not? This is going to be a pyrific episode, I take it. Um, but the <laughs> um, why not make these uh, Internet of Things pies work for us for a change, right? So I, I put together a little... Uh, uh, segment on how to do that and it's kind of a system of things it's kind of it's also a high level uh look at how you can make them work or how at least i make them work for me so the internet of cheap old things 
welcome to the Internet of Cheap Things, or a combination of Pi, OS, and software, and the Internet can be a do-it-yourself or DIY project to make these pies work for you. Now, this is a complicated drawing here. Um, it's, I'm not going to go over it in detail, but you can use it for reference to maybe do your own thing with the equipment that you have. Uh, but just know that there is a network behind this whole presentation that uh, allows these things to work together. Uh, it's Ethernet networking and TCP IP protocol. The first Pi in my Internet of Cheap Things is the Pi Clock, which we covered in an earlier episode. It's got some custom images here, and also uh, I was pulling some weather data, which the author has updated because there's been some changes in Weather Underground. So take a look at his project again. One of the big things here I'll mention it kind of follows through all of these items is that these pies are talking to each other using SSH uh, encrypted communications with uh, key-based secure logins. That's why the scripts are functioning. There's lots more information on Raspberry site and of course others that'll show you how to do that and as well as the scripts here. I'm actually simply taking screenshots of the GUI and then putting that into uh, copy or SCP secure copy to my central web server which will be another Pi we'll discover here. Another of the devices is the Pi Cam with the uh, no IR camera installed and set up and activated in the Pi Pi's OS. Uh, it's using uh, SSH key automated secure logins between the, the Pi with the camera and the web server Pi and uh, that's accomplished through Crontab running a script that I wrote that's basically taking a snapshot using the snapshot software that comes with the uh, Pi. It's all built in. It's a raspy still. Uh, so that script is running on a scheduled time or a cron job as they call it which also gets rid of any files uh, that are older than a certain uh, time or day um, so that it doesn't fill up uh, another Pi camera is looking at the uh, workbench here. <laughs> a little bit on an angle at the moment, you'll see why. It's doing the same thing. It's copying images on a schedule and then getting rid of Im uh, other images over time. But the main or core of this is also my Pi that's running the Pi Apache web server. And it's also running the Exaster APRS iGate as well as my script that I wrote a while back the, uh, that looks for the NWS spotter activation alert. These pies are pretty hardy. They can run multiple systems. They're multitasking um, and all on a schedule. Uh, the pies that I have here now have been running for months without fail. The only thing that kills them over is uh, power outages. If you got things set up right for startup, uh, they'll come right back on without troubles. This particular pie is running the Apache web server the Exaster APRS and my NWS alert scripts that goes to look for uh, spotter activation information and then emails me stuff but the biggest part about this one is that it's uh, available over the internet so that I can get to it remotely from my phone or from another computer. I am using self-signed certificates being the, the cheap nature <laughs> of them and there, you know, there's a lot of documentation on how to do that directly from Raspberry Pi, as well as the passwordless 
copying of information. Uh, those other pies are basically copying files, their files to here, which is the web server, so that we can see them on the website, and you'll see that in a bit. This pie also, the way Exaster works, the uh, the APRS uh, system is over TCP/IP to an Ubuntu computer I have in the shack that's hooked to my radios via USB, both the 9100 and the FT991. That is how it is sending information and uh, repeating information about local APRS objects in the area. So uh, lots of stuff there. Connectivity to the radio. This Pi is doing a bunch of stuff, and it's amazing that they can and and do it reliably. And here is the Pi clock still in operation. Here is one of my Pi cams in operation, the No IR version of the camera there you see inside the Pi. And here's another of the Pi cams just hanging out. That one with the uh, regular edition of the Pi cam in there, not the uh, No IR edition. And finally, here is the Raspberry Pi that is running the Apache web server Exaster APRS software and the NWS alert script. Well, thanks to the huge help from the folks at uh, Linux and the Ham Shack, I was able to set up my Ubuntu uh, Shack computer with uh, the CQR log software, the WSJTX, and uh, many others, one of which is Direwolf, which is the piece that allows me to record or use both the APRS packet and regular packet for terminal software so that I can switch in between things like let's say WinLink from a Windows computer and also Exaster running on a Pi all over TCP IP controlling and connecting up to uh, both radios as needed either the ICOM 9100 or uh, ASUS FT991 that I have so big shout out to the guys at Linux in the Ham Shack podcast check them out there's lots of great information about their uh, setups and how to get to the repositories, etc. Um, to have Linux in the Ham Shack. So good stuff over there with these guys. But uh, that is the Shack computer that I use uh, to run the sound card packet interface for both my APRSI gate and the uh, uh, Windows PCs with terminal. So how do I manage this website? The W3 schools or W3 uh, standards, I, I basically took one of their templates. Uh, I think it was the coming soon template here, as you can see at the bottom right, and did a website from there and just customized it a little bit to make it, make it what I want. The reason I chose that is because it shows up well on just standard browsers on a PC, the tablets, and mobiles. It's very, you can squish it and it still looks right. They just did those templates right, so I followed their examples. And in fact, I used them and then customized it, which is all free. I edit that via WinSCP from one of my Windows computers in the house. So I use Notepad++, and it just pipes it right into that program so that I can edit it and then send it back using WinSCP, which is also a secure protocol, straight to the Pi, which is running that Apache web server. Um, I also manage the pies themselves, since I have a growing number of pies in the internet of cheap things, using uh, a couple of softwares that I'll mention. Putty allows the command line, SSH command line, straight to the pies to run commands or see what's going on. 
And then, of course, WinSCP is sending files back and forth that I want to do uh, from my uh, central, from whatever PC I'm on. There's also VNC, which uh, is built into the Pies, a secure version of, I mean, VNC, that lets you take over the GUI of the uh, Pi and do stuff from its GUI instead of just the command line. So uh, there's a host of other software here running on my network just because of what I am into. Things like acrylic, looking at Wi-Fi, what's going on around me, and Passler, which is a network monitoring tool to show me if something's offline, dropped, or whatever. Tenable, Nessus Home, which is looking for uh, vulnerabilities and things on the network all the time, and Splunk. All of these companies have free editions of their software, so that's why I use them in the internet of cheap things. Wow, Emil. Good I'm job. Cu- I'm curious, how many pies do you actually have in the f- your pie farm there now? Full time. <laughs> My pie farm? It's, <laughs> yeah, Eight. It's, it's up. It's five. Uh, five. At the moment. Yeah. And uh, there's there's probably more coming. You know, every time I get something like you did with the SDR, I dedicate it to that now. Uh-huh. Yeah. So and you, you can. wind up with this network of things, right? Yeah. And so. you can with a pie because they're cheap. That's so, right. Yeah, they're awesome. I love Ubuntu. So are you working on a super cheap computer? <laughs> you know, I haven't built any clusters yet, but I see people out there doing their own little uh, multi-node uh, <laughs> clusters with I, the pies. I'm not sure I, I'm going to go that about, route. I thought about doing that, but if I had something that was actually useful to do it, to do with it, I mean, I'd probably try it, but uh, I don't want to do it just might, for the exercise. I might have to reinvigorate uh, my days of, uh, what was it, the SETI project? You remember when we yeah. used to oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. analyze the... Uh, <laughs> Run the Beowulf cluster <laughs> of pies and put the searching uh, SETI from home stuff on it. Yeah, yeah looking you, for ET. Yeah, that's right. You have yeah. to get about 60 of them going, you might equal uh, half of your laptop. Yeah. No way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> oh, Linux in the ham shack sounds cool, though. I got I to gotta go back and check those guys out again. Well, yeah. look, uh, Tommy did an interview, I think, right, Tommy, with those guys in yeah. what ham fest was it's, that? It's uh, Dayton, last, not this past year, but the year before. Same year I bought the SDR Play. Well, mm-hmm. that turned me on to them, and I uh, found uh, the stash of their videos, and I showed up at one of their Monday uh, audio podcasts that they always have. Yeah. That's a great group. Yeah. I mean, they, they're yeah. just all out sharing, you know, and they give you right. the information. It's right there, and it's an amazing distribution uh, or set of uh, re- repositories, yes. uh, Jimmy, that yes. they have on for Ubuntu. Yes, absolutely. Loving Ubuntu. Loving pies. Yeah. Well, Tommy, last month we were showing some photos from, uh, well, some from Tokyo Ham Fair that Peter and John took and some you and I took in Huntsville. And there was one guy on there that you. I, I failed to get his call sign, and I didn't remember his name. I did remember talking to him, but I could not remember. I didn't have the details. But anyway, that's Kenny, W-N-8-Y. And uh, anyway, it's good to meet you there, Kenny. And I've actually chatted with him uh, since then on email. Yeah, we both recognized him, but just couldn't put a name and call mm-hmm. sign to the face. At, yeah, at yeah, absolutely. Time, so. so anyway, sorry about that. That doesn't ever happen to me. No. Who? If it does, you don't remember <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Jim, you've got. I can't tell yeah. what it is. All I can see is this, and it's behind emails. 
So nobody's really seeing what we're talking about here. This is your latest beauty here, huh? Well, it is. It's one of them. One of oh, that's one right. of them. Just one of them. This this is not my design. Uh, just want to give credit where credit's due. So I'm not the first guy that ever came up with this, but it it is a uh, hybrid. This is a uh, NE5532. Good chip. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, nice op amp designed for audio. Back in the, I don't know, I, I don't. I'm not even going to say because I'll be wrong. A lot of broadcast gear. A lot of broadcast that. gear. Yeah. A lot of professional audio gear uses the any 5532 op amp. Even though it's really old, mm-hmm. it's still that's how far ahead of its time it's went. But yeah, so these are the inputs. This is a two channel amp. And this is brass nails on wood, and we'll talk more about that in a little second when I show you some pictures. But you can see uh, everything is uh, it's, uh, its just a different construction method that works really well. It's uh, so much better than breadboards when it comes to, um, well, building something. It almost uh, is reminiscent of uh, N5RMZ design. Yeah, well, it it's is. not on the cardboard. Right. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. on wood. Yeah. So, yeah, it turns out amplifiers are really interesting, audio amplifiers, and this is uh, a kind of a little power amp back here. And, uh, of course, these are the output transistors. And uh, let's see if we can turn those. These just happen to be some that I had in my junk box. These are... Uh, oh, really? Like, yeah. Yeah, tip 31. These are old. Like uh, These probably been in my junk box for, for years. But that's like a tip 31A and a tip 32C. So it's a complimentary NPN, PNP. And, uh, you know, for each channel. And I, 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 this is probably the most modern transistor on here the, in the voltage amplification stage. This uh, BD139 and uh, BD140. So are, are these volume controls, or what are these pots here? The, these adjust the quiescent current uh, for the amp. So, uh, you know, in a uh, this is a class AB amplifier. So push pull. Mm-hmm. So the uh, uh, great thing about a class AB amp is, unlike a class A amp, you're not consuming power all the time. You're only consuming power when you're putting a signal in. But the bad thing about a Class AB amp is uh, what they call dead the dead zone or crossover distortion when you're switching from the push of the NPN to the pull of the PNP. When, you, when your signal crosses back through the zero mark uh, and turns off one transistor and turns on the other, there's this moment of time, however short, that will cause distortion of the signal if you don't keep those transistors turned on just a little bit. And that's what the quiescent current does. You put about, say, 0.7 volts, just enough to keep the base emitter junction going, and then boom, the distortion goes away. I notice also there's there's something tie-wrapped to these transistors yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, for thermal purposes, as you uh, probably figured out. And uh, 
these driver transistors are, uh, and I th- I'm just trying to remember, I think these are 2N3904, but they're small signals, so you could basically use anything, any any small signal transistor. It, it really doesn't matter. And, and for the most part, these uh, driver transistors are not, critical you could use anything in the same general uh, scope as these BD 139s and 140s but yeah you want to make sure you know as they as the transistors heat up that quiescent current uh, is going to change slightly mm-hmm. and uh, so to prevent thermal runaway you want to make sure that your driver transistors, follow that increase in temperature uh, in the voltage amplification stage so that that stays mm-hmm. the correct amount of quiescent current and so, prevents thermal runaway. So the, both the driver and the, the final air are push-pull stages? Yes, yes, now, in this common? amp. Um, yeah, it is. It is really, I guess, quite common. Uh, but there are plenty of other amplifier designs that are just NPN or just Class A in the in the voltage amplification stage. You know, most amplifiers, most modern amplifiers these days, audio amps, they have three stages. There's the input stage, and that's what's hybrid about this one because it uses a, an op amp, not discrete transistors. And uh, then they have the voltage amplification stage. This is where you ramp up your voltage. And then your final or end amplifier stage is uh, where you really boost up your current. So voltage, then current. Mm-hmm. And I think you, we have some pictures you're going to show, too. Yeah, I've got a few pictures here. What is, uh, well, this is early in the construction stage. Yeah. Yeah, this is actually a different amplifier. This this is a 100-watt amplifier that we're looking at here, uh, beginning. And uh, you can see, you, uh, really, this is a good shot for the building technique. You see some PVC cement back there on the back mm-hmm. part of that board? You take that and you coat your wood. It's just completely soak at all sides with PVC cement, and that uh, provides electrical isolation Oh. And seals the wood against moisture. Hmm. So this is a this is a time honored ham radio construction technique. They used to use shellac, and you still can, or you can just use PVC cement. It does the same thing, and it's kind of a little bit easier and a little bit quicker. But yeah, this is just the beginning stages, and uh, you can see. Here, construction is proceeding on into the voltage amplification stage. And uh, then you get to the point where you're hooking up the finals in the end stage. And uh, then you go to testing, and you want to turn up your voltage pretty slow. Here, this is a a tracking power supply that has uh, both, well, two channels, so a negative voltage and a positive voltage. And uh, boy, I tell you, I used to try to do this without without one of these types of power supplies. And man, just having one of these power supplies that produces both a negative and a positive voltage is so nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
But uh, yeah, you want to watch your current and then uh, look at your output on the scope. That's what we're doing here. That's the input signal and how much it's being amplified. And if that's not enough for you, you know, feel around on your circuit. Touch some transistors. Uh, you know, that's one great thing about our uh, hobby is... Yeah, a lot of people don't want to put their hands on things these days because they're... But if you're doing DIY, touching things is a great way to troubleshoot. Now, you do have to be a little bit careful. You want to keep a <laughs> bottle of this standing by. <laughs> so you may need that, huh? Yeah. Aloe. Well, it looks like that's been used a lot. So this, It actually has. Uh, this is not for treating the wood. This is for treating that's the right. flesh. That's right. right. Yeah, this is, this is for troubleshooting techniques you know uh they're great and uh, you just have to have a little supplement every now and then so definitely keep a uh, copy of that i mean a bottle of that and then what you wind up with you see here is a couple pieces of of wood and your um your heat sinks and it's all ready to go in a case this is a 100 watt amp i think i mentioned and that's the left and right channels we're looking at right there so yeah. now it's ready to go, but you do have to have a little more than this. Um, after you get that done, you're ready to build your power supply. So you don't want to use your laboratory power supply for your stereo Exactly. System. Yeah, you can't yeah. use your bench supply. <laughs> so you got to build. And actually, my bench supply is not big enough for 100 watt. Um, it mm -hmm. only produces about three and a third amps. So... Yeah, those 100 watt guys, they need a little bit more than that. So I was scrounging around for a transformer and uh, I said, yeah, how much do they cost? And I went out and looked up these and to get, uh, I needed a like 50 volt, 51, 52 volt, mm -hmm. uh, 25 volt center tap. And those guys were running like about a hundred bucks, and I said, "Hey, man, I built this 100 watt amp out of my junk box. I'm not going to spend a hundred bucks on a transformer." So I got this one out of an old microwave, and uh, just took a chisel and uh, sharpened it up and a hammer and cut off the primary. Next shot, you might be able to see this. Cut a off little... the that's cut off the secondary. Secondary, I yeah. should have said, yeah. And uh, I think we got another shot at, of it after this. You can see this is the secondary that I wound back on in the place where I'd cut off the other secondary, which was a lot, a lot, a lot of tiny wires because, uh, you know, in a microwave transformer, yeah. that's super high voltage from the secondary. But when I wound it back, I used speaker wire, hmm. like a 26-gauge, you know, paired. It's not twisted pair. It's just paired wire yeah. for like you know speaker wire so like lamp or zip cord yeah, similar yeah. exactly and if you wind that on you've got two coils of mm -hmm. wire so all you got to do to make your center tap is connect the end of one of those wires to the beginning of the other and that makes your center tap so it really worked out well and a uh, good rule of thumb to remember, one wrap equal one volt. Pretty close. Not exactly. So uh, it turned out I think I had to put 26 wraps on that transformer, but yeah. came out perfect. Works great. Oh, and then you dip the whole thing in shellac. 
are, well, you're really supposed to dip it in something special. Uh, shellac works. Yeah, but shellac works. And that is, there's a reason for that. What's that reason? Well, you want to, um, for a couple things, moisture, that's really, uh, maybe one of the really big ones. Yeah, you want to just protect it against moisture. But it also does um, keep it kind of glued in place. Mm-hmm. So that your, your windings don't buzz. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, that's a very large part of it is so that, yeah, the hum. Yep. Mechanically. Yeah, mechanical hum. That's right. Jim. George, can yeah. you show that... Um, can you show that uh, tie, that circuit again on the the board on your table there? Oh yeah. Did you did I hear the mention of uh, the cable tie? Is that at the yeah. lower part of that? <laughs> yeah, that's actually a cable tie. Let's see if we can see it. You, you can see this one a little bit. I'm, I'm going to have to check with um, uh, VE3MIC, but I think uh, does this look right to you, George, on my camera? Well, is that. Is it backwards or? It's back. Okay, here, let me turn it around. How's that? That's it. Yeah. (laughs) Certified cable tie. (laughs) I think we might have to pass this torch with the approval of uh, VE3MIC. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So so I I thought you were going to say you went over budget with those cable ties, but no, that's not what you're saying. (laughs) No, I'm saying Jimmy is the official certified cable tie of the show now. I tell you, Emil is a man after my own heart, buddy. I'm I'm cheap. (laughs) I am cheap. I go as cheap as... You see this wire that hooks these uh, uh, power output transistors to the uh, board? Mm-hmm. If I could lean this over a little bit, you might recognize this. This is yep. this is power cable. I mean, uh, not power cable. How would you say it? Well, uh, yeah, it's kind of. Yeah. Uh, it's a power. Uh, for power, uh, computer power supply. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's an AC power cable that's cut <laughs> up into pieces and used for the wire. Uh, well, you, you use what you got, man. It's not, it. it's not always that you want to be cheap. It's, I need it right now. Mm. I need it right now. <laughs> it's the right gauge wire, yeah. and it's just sitting there doing nothing and not ever going to be used for anything use. else. Yep. And I have this box of a thousand wires that my wife keeps yelling at me about, so That's use right. it. That's right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, so now what is this yeah well moving on the next thing after your power supply is all squared away you you want to test and really this is what i've been working on most recently um i don't have a one of the fancy uh uh oscilloscopes like george and tommy here have uh because i'm cheap emil and uh (laughs) so i'm trying to do testing of the amplifier with my sound card and my computer and, of course, you can't run uh, uh, 100 watts into your sound card. They don't like that for some reason. You can only put in one volt peak to peak. So you got to have something to divide that down and buffer the signal. And uh, after doing a little reading and research on the Internet, this is what I came up with. So this is a sound card interface uh, that you can use for testing your power audio amplifier. I think we got another shot that you can maybe better see the uh, circuit. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, uh, a voltage divider at heart on a two-pole, uh, six-position switch. And uh, so the way I constructed mine, it's about 760 ohms worth of series resistance. And then that's divided down by a set of resistors coming off of the uh, uh, the switchable switch there. So you can plug your amplifier in. And uh, it's followed by an op amp and a 
and a rail splitter for power, which runs a 9-volt battery onto both positive and negative rail. And uh, yeah, it works great. It really works a treat. And I think we got another shot to give you a little idea of what I see when I look at it on my computer. And this is, I'm running a 1 kilohertz test tone uh, into, the, uh, into the computer. And there, way over to the right, you'll see uh, a point. 0.5% harmonic that I've injected. This is a test for total harmonic distortion. And uh, so I, in, I, I inject a 4.5 kilohertz harmonic at a 0.5% level so I can judge the output of the amplifier relative to that. And as you can see, there's a second harmonic there at about 2 kilohertz, but it's way down compared to the 0.5%, yeah. so that's good. It's too much phase noise on that, harm, on that fundamental, but a lot of that has to do with my original test signal. I'm working on that, though. <laughs> well, Jim, man, that is, uh, that is heavy duty. Yeah, so I learned how to make a one-transistor amplifier, which is what I started out to do. But I count a few more than one over there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it did lead down a rabbit hole for so, sure. So, which was the first, the one you've got right here or the 100-watt version? I actually built the 100-watt first, and I'm still tinkering with it. You know, it's built, but mm -hmm. I, I still enjoy experimenting. And then I built uh, this this other little one that we've got on the table. It's just a little 15-water. And uh, primarily the reason for that is uh, voltage. Op-amps, you know, cannot... There's not really many that can go above uh, 18, 20 volts, mm -hmm. plus or minus. You know, total 36 volts, but 18 plus, 18 minus on your positive and negative rails. Or 20, some will do 20. I think 22 might be the limit. And so, you know, there's just only so much you can, so only so much current you can push to those final transistors with, uh, with that much voltage. Yeah. Uh, why the brass nails? The uh, well, they just solder more easily. They just accept solder more easily. You could use steel nails, and that would work. But uh, yeah, oh yeah, the the construction technique I was going to mention. You know, hams. That is an original breadboard right there. That, I mean, wood. Yeah. You know, that's where the name bread hams named that. Because back in the early days of wireless, you know, mm -hmm. which is what they were calling it at the time, what would that have been? The twenties, George? Uh, well, might actually have been before the that. The teens, yeah, maybe? shortly after the turn of the century. Okay, they they you know they they couldn't buy it if they wanted something in the wireless world. They had to build it, and mm -hmm. what did they build it on? Well, huh. they would cut bread on the breadboards. Mm -hmm. It was a cutting board. We call them cutting boards today. But, uh, yeah, and so they, they drove brass nails in, shellacked them, and soldered to them. Wow. So time-honored. And this, this looks lo a lot like maybe dead bug style. Yeah, building. yeah. I was, I was trying to think. Of, it's not Manhattan. It's not exactly dead no, bug. No, it's not. It's sort of in between. Yeah. Yeah. It's just what I came up with. Well, I really can't even take credit for that because I watched this other guy on the Internet and uh, his, 
His name is uh, Co Tillman, and or Radio Fund Two Three Two. If you look at his channel, you'll see a lot of this type of construction technique. And so, uh, he and I have kind of communicated back and forth, and he he gives me tip. He's kind of he's one of my Elmers. Yeah, yeah. He's in the Netherlands. Are you still on the amplifiers, or are you about to move on to? I, CD players or something. <laughs> I, I am yeah, really getting. Yeah, I'm really getting into testing and test equipment, and that's kind of where I am right now. But I think the next big thing just might be SDR. That's Ooh. fun stuff. It's a good topic. Yeah, yeah. You probably won't be able to build that with transistors. <laughs> You're going to have to become a little more modern. I don't know. Oh, you <laughs> might be surprised. <laughs> okay. Maybe some few brass nails might go a long ways in there, though. Yeah. Yeah, you uh, you take a Coca-Cola can. Emil, you'll love this. You take a Coca-Cola can or beer can, and I told you you'd love it, Emil, and, uh, <laughs> and you cut it. You cut it, cut it down the sides, mm-hmm. flatten it out. Of course, you cut the top off and the bottom off, and you... Use brass nails on the bottom of this, Tommy, to put that on, and that's your ground plane. Nice job. Thank you. Thank you. Nice job. Yeah. Looks like you've been busy. Been having a lot of fun. Yeah. It's really a lot of fun. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like getting in and just experimenting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to be back in uh, just a moment because we got more to go tonight, but First, a message from MFJ. Isn't it about time someone developed an inexpensive multiband antenna you could deploy in just minutes? Well, someone has. Meet the Octopus. <laughs> MFJ's new four-band octopus antenna is the perfect way to get you swimming in the HF ocean immediately. The octopus mounting base is constructed of heavy-duty stainless steel and super-strong fiberglass-filled ABS insulator tube. The built-in ballon comes with an attached SO239 connector pigtail ready for you to attach coax. Choose a pair of hamsticks for each of your four favorite bands, screw them into the eight chrome-plated 3H24 threaded mounts, and you're able to get on the air in just minutes. The MFG Octopus will mount on most any metal pole or telescopic mast up to one inch in diameter. Just tighten the thumb screw. You can rotate the antenna with a small TV rotor like the high gain ARI 500 or just ground mount the antenna for omnidirectional use. With its eight super lightweight arms, the MFG Octopus is ready to reach out and grab the big DX on your favorite bands. At only 14 feet in diameter, it's great for emergency, stealth, portable, campground, or as a permanent base antenna. And the hamsticks break down to around 4 feet for easy, compact storage. If you're on the lookout for a compact, quickly deployable multiband HF antenna, keep an eye out for the new MFJ Octopus. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com. That's a brilliant, brilliant yeah. idea. Yeah. Well, that's neat. pretty amazing. I'm surprised somebody hadn't come up with that before. Yeah. Leave it to MFJ, yeah. man. Innovation. As a matter so, of fact, in that ad there, I had to use photos of it because they were sold out. Oh, I, I bet. People just recognized it and said, wow, yeah. that's a good idea. It really is. Simple. Yeah. That'd be a really fun thing to test out at field day. 
It would be. Yeah. And we might be doing that. Yeah. yeah. Easy. So easy to put up. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do that one. Simple. Okay. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll raise that antenna. Simple there. is elegant, isn't it? Yeah, no kidding, man. Especially yeah, I have some of those ham, uh, the sticks already. So yeah, yeah. the piece in the middle. So many people already do have some of those. I'll, I'll do yeah. I'll do the octopus while you do the hex beam. Yeah, <laughs> the, the hex. No, no. That, that's, that was kind of one person can't do that. No, <laughs> three people can barely do it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, that was the first time though. Next time it'll be easier. First yeah. time's always the hardest. Well, my topic tonight, I'm actually working on a project in the future, and uh, this is just a tiny little piece of it. I needed an audio tone. Well, this will explain it here. Now, it's going to look kind of like it, maybe it ties into Jim's a little bit, but... That's a happy not, coincidence. It's just a coincidence. And, well, let's just take a look here, and maybe when we're finished, you'll... Uh, You'll have learned a little more about uh, the perils of harmonic distortion. You know, much of the time that you're using tones to take measurements, you're using a sine wave. Uh, that's the most purest waveform, and it's generally what we use. Now, this is a little Tenma audio generator that I've got. We're looking at 1.5 kilohertz on it using the sound card oscilloscope program. Uh, you can see the triggers dancing around just slightly there on the display. And the tips of the waveform there, they are crawling a little bit. I think that's just an anatomy of the sound card and the software here. This is a pretty clean sine wave that we're seeing. Now, it looks good here. It's uh, good and symmetrical. Around uh, on the edges there, if we uh, expand it out uh, a little bit and zoom in somewhere, we can see better. There's another way we can look at this, and that's in the frequency domain. You know, with an oscilloscope, we're looking in the time domain. Let's look at this like we were looking uh, with the spectrum analyzer. In the frequency domain here, we can see our fundamental frequency right here, 1.5 kilohertz. Over on the left-hand side, we've got uh, the scale here set to dB. Uh, the very top, 0 dB. At the very bottom, minus 100 dB. Now, I'm using a pretty good sound card here, so it probably has pretty close to this range. Uh, across the bottom here, we see it's divided uh, 1 kilohertz, 2, 3, 4. goes on out to 20 kilohertz there. Our waveform, normally you'd set your reference level here to be right at zero. Well, I can't get it any higher uh, with this sound card into this software than where it is right now. So I've got my reference level set at minus 5 dB. That means any measurement that I want to take, I'll have to subtract minus 5 off the top of it just to make off for the offset there. So here's our 1.5 kilohertz, right at minus 5. If we look at the second harmonic, right down here at 3 kilohertz, you can see that's coming up to minus 85 there. Taking our, our minus 5 above, we'll say that this is 80 dB down, because we subtract minus 5 from 85. If we look on out here at the third harmonic, we can see it peeking its head up right there. It's hitting about minus 
95 there on peaks. So we would say that this is minus 90 dB down. And then we don't see any other harmonics appearing here at all. If we look down here, total harmonic distortion, 0.01%. That's very good readings for total harmonic distortion. Earlier audio equipment won't have quite that good distortion right there. As a matter of fact, uh, most humans below 0.1, they really won't hear it. But we've got a decent oscillator here. I didn't really realize it was this good because I haven't really measured it in a long time, to, and I'd forgotten what it was. So that's what a good pure sine wave would look like on both an oscilloscope and on a spectrum analyzer. For a lot of projects, I like to use a little Arduino. It's a very convenient a little microcontroller you can do a lot of stuff with, and you can actually generate a tone with that. And if I'm using it for a project anyway, why wouldn't I use it to generate a tone? Let's look at a tone coming out of the Arduino. It's a lot higher signal level, so I had to turn it down on the input of the sound card. But you can see this is not a sine wave. It's not rounded off at the ends. It's kind of flat and jagged here. I believe this uh, jagged edges that we're seeing here is just an artifact of using the sound card oscilloscope software and the sound card itself. If I look at this on um, my regular oscilloscope, it's a little more square here on the edges. Nevertheless, that's pretty nasty looking. We really don't like to use a square wave, particularly when we're uh, generating audio tones. It just sounds really bad, and there's a lot of harmonics to it. How high are the harmonics on it? Well, let's look at it in the frequency domain. Wow. <laughs> That's not the same at all, is it? We've got our reference set here to minus 5. That's the fundamental right there at uh, 1,500 hertz. We don't see a second harmonic here at 3,000 hertz. Although our noise floor is a little higher, you can see it dancing around here. Uh, part of that is also, as I said, the measurement set up here. I don't see that dancing around on a regular scope. There is a real high third harmonic, though. You remember that was down around minus 90 dB on, um, on the good sine wave generator there? Well, this is probably only down, well, like minus 10 dB. That's a real high harmonic. If we look out here at 6,000 hertz, we don't really see a harmonic there either. That would be the fourth harmonic. Look at the fifth harmonic here, 7.5 kilohertz. That is still way up there. This is, what, minus 15 dB. Let's just jump on out here to the end. Out here at 16.5 kilohertz, this is the 11th harmonic. It's only down like minus 27.5 dB. A lot of distortion in this, a lot of harmonics. Total harmonic distortion, well, 43%. <laughs> That's a lot higher than 0.01. Now, we can filter this using some RC components. We can construct a filter here using four 1K ohm resistors and four 0.1 microfarad capacitors, and we'll try to smooth it off and see if we can get it looking a little bit better. Now, when we do that, we get a lot of attenuation of the signal. Uh, that would be typical. The edges there, they're rounded off. This actually looks like a sine wave now. 
It's still coming out of the same Arduino. It's the same source code running there. Very simple code, by the way. Let's look at it in the frequency domain and see what it looks like. Well, on the spectrum analyzer, there's still some harmonics in there. Let's get our reference level set right at minus 5. Now we can see there is actually a little second harmonic down there because our noise floor has come way down through this filtering. It's not uh, super high there. Probably minus 70 dB on peaks of it. We've still got a fair amount of third harmonic out there. Minus 30 dB or so. We can see there is some fourth harmonic there. Uh, there's a fifth. It's still a little high. Uh, the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth harmonic. Out here at the eleventh harmonic, that is minus 70 dB. So that's that's down quite a bit there. Uh, certainly a lot better than it was without the filtering. Our total harmonic distortion using this filter puts us at about 2.89%. Uh, Although it's still kind of high distortion, this signal is good enough to be used for some audio applications like uh, making a tone ID or, or um, a CW tone, which is kind of my next project that I'm working on here. So I wanted a little bit cleaner signal. I didn't want to send all those harmonics out over a project that I had on the air. We lost a lot of signal level by doing this. However, that doesn't really matter. Uh, in this case, I've got plenty of gain uh, in the circuit that I'm going to be using it in. And it makes it, um, you know, actually a, a somewhat decent signal there. 2.89% distortion. I can live with that in this particular application. So there you go. Uh, using an Arduino to generate an audio tone and applying filtering to make it actually usable for something. That's a great segment. Yeah, cool stuff. Yeah, it just kind of, you know, I didn't set out to do a segment on harmonic distortion, but in my process of trying to make that tone into something I could use, I... It just happened to take you down happened. that particular rabbit hole. Yep. So I'll have to get back on that project and finish it up because it's nothing at all like, <laughs> like what we just saw. This was just solving an issue in it. Oh, yeah. 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 Nice. Well, well, hey, man, I am just, like, dying with anticipation. On who's going to win? Yeah. Well, we are about to find out. Tell you what, if y'all will give us just a, a minute or two here to get things ready, we're going to give away this radio package. We're going to tell you all about it. But Tommy's first, got to crank the. Has Tommy got to crank the handle on the on the? Yeah. The spinner on the, the rounder. So you can draw, yeah. Yeah, on the ham fest. Uh, so you can pull the little tickets, tickets out. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, I hope all y'all came by here and put your tickets in the little barrels. <laughs> yeah. I know I put mine in there. Hey, every time. Yeah. There's only one ticket in there floating. That's around. right. And you don't have to be present to win. That's great. Yeah, I love those drawings. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. At the end of each month, it's Amateur Logic's Ham College, the new show for those new to the hobby and those wanting to get into amateur radio. Which of the following is a purpose of the amateur radio service as stated in the FCC rules and regulations? That inductor and capacitor form a tuned circuit. That's how you tune the radio to the frequency that you want. 
the English language. We lived in town. I liked it. I, I listened to mine a lot. It was really cool because you didn't have to have a battery to power yeah. There's our homemade telegraph station. We can use it for long-distance communications. Oh, like, uh, what, three feet yeah, here? across the table. The answer is B. Voltage was named after Italian physicist Alessandro Volta. We can see we're generating a little bit of electricity there. It's DC. It's always great to go back and get a refresher. It well, sure is. A lot of that stuff, if you've been a ham for a while like we have, you, you don't really think about a lot of that stuff that often. They didn't have electric screwdrivers in those days, so that's why we're not using ones. That's why we went choice. primitive with it. Yeah. So let's see if we can hear anything when we, uh, we fire off our spark gap transmitter. Well, we didn't build anything or blow up anything today, but... Um, the night's still young. Good old spark gap. Good old spark sitting right up there. We, <laughs> we use that coil of wire and nail for a lot of different projects there in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, the weather's still a little bit too warm to bring that thing out. Yeah. Oh. It generates too much heat. <laughs> if Jim would have brought his finger treatment there, though, we might yeah. could have. Hey, we could have. We could have worked something out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because with, with that 12-volt, 7.5-ampere-hour battery, man, <laughs> that key would get hot. I you bet <laughs> it would. <laughs> Pulling some current through that thing. Well, 13 years of amateur logic. We haven't been saying 13 enough. The, the crowd seems to <laughs> no, still be sober. they're all still awake. Yeah. Woohoo! 13. <laughs> Take another drink. Oh, there you go. 13. <laughs> I'll drink to that. <laughs> he said 13. Uh, a fine so, wait. Oh, wait, I just said it again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, you know, we've got some great sponsors and, and friends here on the show that have come together and, and given us some prizes to give out to some lucky viewer there. Really lucky. Some really lucky. Really viewer. lucky. Yep. The uh, first item we've got here is the ICOM IC7300, probably the most popular, and they call it entry-level. You wouldn't think of that as an entry-level rig with all the features it's got on I know it doesn't look like the rig I got started with. No, <laughs> me neither. Yeah, me either. It's, uh, it's got RF direct sampling. It's a software-defined radio. What that means is RF signals are directly converted to digital data. And then they're processed by uh, FPGAs, making it possible to simplify the circuit construction, as well as reduce noise that can mask weaker signals. So this thing gets down in the mud pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I bet, uh, I bet it does. You know, it's got great DSP noise reduction built in as well. ICOM, I've always thought, had some of the best DSP noise reduction around. I, Absolutely. You know, after having um, uh, rigs by a couple of the other brands, uh, no, I didn't have their top-of-the-line rigs. Yeah. But um, there is a difference in the DSP. Yep. And the DSP sounds similar on most all the ICOM rigs that, that mm -hmm. I've, I've ever tried. Yeah. Uh, RMDR and phase noise characteristics. That RMDR is reciprocal mixing dynamic range. The IC7300's RMDR is, uh, is about 97 dB. It's got superior phase noise characteristics to reduce noise components for both uh, receive and transmit signals. 
and it's got 16 discrete bandpass filters in it. So that means in the front end of the signal path, these are, are real actual filters. They're not doing all the filtering in software. They've got actual real, hardware filters, yes. real filters that are being engaged as needed there. And you need that. Yeah, yeah, you do. Makes a difference. Absolutely. Large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, a real-time spectrum scope, built-in antenna tuner, 101 nice. memory channels. It's got SD, Gosh, man. Yeah, SD memory card slot built in it, so uh, you can save data with it. Uh, multifunction meter, uh, CW functions are full break-in, CW reverse, CW auto-tuning, of course, it does single sideband, CW ready, AM and FM modes. At a great price. Yeah. Unbelievable price. Yeah. Uh, well, a price so good that Jim is going to rush out and buy one after the show tonight. I tell you, really and truly, I came over here, and when I saw George demo the front, George gave me a little demo, and he touched the touch screen to change bands. And, buddy, I mean, it's just the performance of the touch screen is like, it's just like your phone. I, I could see his eyes go cha-ching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to need a power supply for that, aren't you, Tommy? You are going to need one. So uh, compliments of MFJ. We've got the MFJ 4230 MVP power supply, super compact, 30-amp, mighty light switching power supply with uh, digital voltmeter and ammeter, five-way binding posts. It's got a pair of Anderson power poles. 25-amp uh, continuous and 30-amp surge at 13.8 volts of DC, and it's adjustable from 4 to 16 volts. Um, you can choose uh, 120 or 240 volts at 47 to 63 hertz, so you can take it anywhere in the in the U.S. or, or uh, abroad. Yeah. That's almost a tongue twister there at the end of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. And you're going to need an antenna to go with that, too, aren't you, Jim? How about this MFJ2286 portable big stick HF antenna? Look at the coil on that thing. Covers yep. 7 to 55 megahertz, 1KW of power handling capability, 17-foot telescopic whip. That means you can reach out there and touch all the way up to 40 meters. Adjustable high-Q air-wound coil. And... It includes the MFJ342T pipe mount and counterpoise kit. So a great portable antenna especially. Man, you could take this and throw it up and be on the air and nothing. Very fun. quickly. And we've seen, yeah. we've seen uh, Vince do that here right here in the yard. Oh, yeah. And it worked really well. Of course, you're going to need to hook up that antenna to the radio. So we've got 50 foot of MFJ American-made RG8X cable right here. Comes with the coax connectors already installed. But if you didn't have those coax connectors or you had some other coax you preferred to use, what are these, George? These are genuine amateur logic commemorative faux gold, faux gold. PL259s. <laughs> we, don't, we don't recommend you put solder to them. Yeah. I'm okay. Not, I'm not sure they'll yeah. hold up to RF. Yeah. But uh, this I've is, got to get me some of those. <laughs> this is my last pair here, Jim. Uh huh. 
So uh, I don't know if we'll be giving any of these away again. Oh, or I not. see. I've got we, a couple I stuck at home and I stashed them just for emergency okay. sake. Okay. But we've given away a lot of gold PL 259s. Uh, in the last few years. If you don't have a gold PL-259, I mean, where you been? Yeah, if you, <laughs> if you do have one, you should use it like we are here for display purposes. Right. You know, yeah. You, you shouldn't waste it on uh, trying should. to conduct signals because we don't know that that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, you're going to need, well, actually, the rig comes with a microphone. But we're going to kick it up a notch here. We've got the Heil ICM microphone. It's a high-performance mic design, uh, especially for owners of earlier ICOM rigs who needed a microphone that had a little more game to it. It's got a custom electric element in it uh, ah, yes. with good broad frequency response from 35 to 12 kilohertz. Built-in push-to-talk button on it. Comes with the mic holder. And it's got the connector on the end to fit ICOM rigs. So, Heil ICM microphone, great. Uh, condenser mic. Condenser mic, a, a base mic to go with your uh, earlier ICOM rigs and modern ICOM rigs as well. Very nice looking microphone but and you, sounding. But you might not always want to use a mic like this, Tommy. Yeah, sometimes you may want to use a headset like this. Hands-free. Yeah, hands-free. Um, and I actually am going to be buying one of these my, of my own. Uh, this is a Heil BM-17 lightweight emergency communications headset. It comes uh, with either a BM-17 dynamic element or BM-17 IC electric element. Speakers used in the BM-17 are very sensitive, don't require much AF drive from the transceiver. The frequency response is 200 hertz to 5 kilohertz with very low distortion. The ear pads are replaceable acoustic foam. A BM-17 is lightweight headset designed for emergency communications and is available as either a single-side or dual-side model. I think I'm going to order the dual-side myself. Yeah. yeah. And I've actually had those those headphones on the air with my ICOM rig there. Got good good reports from everyone on my audio, and they sound great and they're comfortable, too. So, Comfort, man, that's yeah. important. I think I'm going to have is. to get a, a set of those before the next field day or emergency crops up. Well, George, I was just thinking, can we give them a Gordon West General or Extra Class Amateur Radio License Package? Yes, it could be they're just a technician. They may not, they may not be a general or an extra, and they're not going to be able to use that radio in that case. Or not all of it, anyway. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, we'll give them the choice of uh, Gordon a West. general. Yep. WB6NOA. Choice of uh, general or amateur radio uh, extra study guide. You know, Gordo, this is like the Bible for getting your license. It is, man. It is. It is. Gordo's been writing the Bible for years and years. He has. And and not only for this, but also for CW. uh, And that's why every time I talk about, I can't talk about Gordo without thinking about CW. Oh, you you use this CW yeah. study yeah, course? Okay. Wow. Uh, definitely, if you're studying for your exam, go with one of Gordo's books. I mean, we we use it as a reference all the time on Ham College. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great resource. Well, getting about that huh, time, isn't it? Yeah, we've already um, you know we've closed the um, entries mm, on the eleventh. 
was the last day you could register. And we had a lot of good people register for that. It, you know, you had to be a U.S. or Canadian ham radio operator. And you could only enter once. Um, if there are any taxes on this, the winner's going to have to pay uh, whatever the tax is. Uh, we don't know that any winner's ever heard of paid that of that happening, but just in case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the I, think winner, I, I think I could handle that. Yep. The winner can't be an affiliate of Amateur Logic, ICOM, MFJ, Heil Sound, or Gordon West. Gordo can't win it either. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Uh, so what we're going to do is draw a random number right here on the show. And actually, we did this right before we started taping the night. You were sitting here as a witness. I saw the random number being drawn. And you saw us taking that number and matching it to an entry. And we have that entry right here. We don't we don't know the winner. We never have known the winner on any of the grand prize contests nope. yet. But I suspect this winner is is going to be happy to hear from us. Guaranteed. I suspect they will be Guaranteed. too. And the winner of the Amateur Logic 13th anniversary <laughs> there you go, Emil. All right, I got it. Of the Altrologic Anniversary Prize Package here is. Drumroll. Drumroll, please. K4EMT. K4EMT. Echo Mike Tango. Awesome. Sarah Clark. Oh, congratulations, Sarah. From congratulations, awesome. Sarah. From Florida. From Florida. Does mm-hmm. it say what part? Uh, Lakeland. Okay. Where is that? Uh, that's somewhere down in the south. Is that panhandle. in the Panhandle? Yeah, that's okay. a little below. It's down south you know. here. Yeah. Down so. south of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations, Sarah. Oh, congratulations! Yep. Lucky, lucky, lucky. Yep, you're going to be very happy with your. Uh, I'm sure she's very happy right now, are he? I hadn't looked to see if she Are they is in, in the, the chat, chat room? I don't I think don't, so. I don't see her. Mm-mm. Okay. So we'll be getting in touch with Sarah here and uh, giving her the good news. I'm sure somebody probably is right now. And we'll be getting all this packaged up and ready to ship out as soon as the crime's over here. <laughs> and uh, it's all yeah, over if, now, if but this the crime in the box. Don't don't think anything about that. <laughs> no, it's it's going to be in the box. Uh, well, oh, well, there you go. Thanks, ICOM, MFJ, Heil Sound, and uh, Gordon West Radio Skills, yeah. W5YI, and Master Publishing. Yeah, for yeah. for making all this possible. You know, we if it was up to me and Tommy, we'd probably be giving away that spark gap that we saw. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> the most we could come up with, but um, thanks to these uh, y'all don't make y'all don't make a lot of money doing this show. No, <laughs> no. Uh, they've, they've been great sponsors, all of them. I uh, really appreciate those guys stepping up. Every, every year they always step yep. up and, uh, they sure and donate do. some great prizes for someone. Now these are really great. Oh, yeah. It's, really great. It's a whole setup. It's everything yeah, you need. Everything you need. That's great, man. Way to go. Way to go, Sarah. Congratulations again. K4EMT.
I'd well, be very happy. I wonder if oh, she yeah. is an EMT. I don't know. Could be. What about this other yeah, uh, you, you're saying maybe we should have some consolation prizes? I think it'd be a nice thing to do. Aha. That sounds like I a I didn't know a there were going to be consolation but wait, prizes. there's more. <laughs> there's one more thing? <laughs> well, How about me... one of these Ronco Fishermatics? Yeah. Fishermatic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Uh, is it Castomatic? Remember the little fold-out fishing rod? Yeah. Oh, oh. Castomatic. Castomatic. Yeah, the bat. Bassomatic, that was a food process. <laughs> Bassomatic. <laughs> okay, I'm back in here and uh, looking at our our contest entries. Okay. What do we got to give away, Tommy? Well, let's see. I've got... Is this reaching back into the amateur logic? Uh, yes. This is the stash that has just been... Uh, more or less collected or piling up. Piling up. <laughs> I won't say piling up because we didn't have good, good a whole lot this year. Yeah, it's some good things. Ah, look at this. But maybe they're not. Um, well, maybe we we don't have a lot of options in here. Like I got gotcha. you. Say we've got a nice Howl Sound T-shirt. Very yeah. nice. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got a Howl Sound hat to go with it, <laughs> but. It needs to be for um, for someone who's medium sized. Oh, that's the okay. only size we got. <laughs> oh, a high size, <laughs> medium t shirt, and a small slash medium hat. Of course, the hats one size fits all if you're medium or small. If you're medium or small, yeah. So if yeah. You, so if you <laughs> yeah, so if you it win says, it and it doesn't fit, just uh, pay it forward and pass it on to yeah. another hand. That, yeah. Uh, That'll fit. Yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, Tommy, will you write these down as we go? So I will. We know so, who wins. So who? So we're going to give that away? We're going to give that away. Okay. And I'm just going to just kind of randomly scroll through the database of entries here. And close and, your eyes and click on somebody? Yep. I'm going to open up an entry there. And it is Jack Downs. KG5 GFS from hey. Gonzales, Texas. He's in the chat room. He okay. Is. All right. Like, Congratulations, Jack. We're sorry you didn't win the radio. <laughs> and we hope you're medium sized. <laughs> oh, because awesome. you did Congrats. win the how. I would like to have one of those how yep. t shirts. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. That's right. So, what what else have we got there, Tommy? Well, we have a nice uh, DSO one thirty eight oscilloscope kit. Oh, now that's that that's cherry you built, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's really great one. Uh, Compliments of JYE Electronics. That's useful, man. Yeah, it's very nice. I've I've got yeah. one at the house, and I, I did a segment on it. It's a great little kit. I saw that segment. Pretty pretty easy to put together, and the yeah. scope works very well. Yep, and comes with the probe and the, the display as well. Yeah, that's it's fun, right everything there. Everything you need, except, except the case. And you it's can, just uh, a little package of fun. Right you don't need there. to have to have a case. There. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The package of fun, no doubt. Yeah. But it was a blast putting together. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's see who we got here. Random winner is Marty Cody. 
N zero NKC. November zero, November Kilo Charlie. Yep. Well, congratulations, Marty. Marty Cody. That's that yep. sounds like a CW guy to me. Huh. Could be. Yeah, Cody. Could be. He's an extra class. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, our, our um, other uh, grand prize winner, Sarah, there is an extra class. Okay. <laughs> so. Hey, hey, George. Hmm? Mike's asking about the slightly used um, 7700 on the other side of the room. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll be giving that away this okay. week. Okay, <laughs> all right. We'll have to, Jimmy and I'll do that when George goes in the house. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, but I found something. Oh, what have you got there? You might you might want to give this away. Here, move, move it over this way a little bit and do that again. Oh, or the, out from behind, Emil. There you yeah. go. There we go. Can you so zoom in is, on that? What what do the cards actually look like Let's themselves? See. It, yeah, are we they can, in we English can, or since we have the uh, the up close shot, we can take these out and have a look. See. Oh, nice! Looks like, uh, nice yeah, looks like a nice set of cards. Yeah. There's the Joker. There's Emil. Oh, the Joker's got a handy talkie. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, so does so the queen. queen. Oh, that's too oh, cool. How awesome is that? Yeah, look at there. There's your ace. I'm going to have to hit Ray up for a set of those. That's pretty cool. It's pretty nice. This look was there. actually look my set. That. I hate to get rid of them now, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look at that. That is super cool. Simply the best. Wow. That's true. All right. Well, let's see who's going to win these. The winner of the ICOM deck of playing cards is William Becker, K1NE, November Echo. K1 November Echo in, in Kinderhook, New York. Hey, hey. Yeah, have you got anything else over there, Tommy, or was wow. that it? We've got this. Oh, yeah. Bring it on. The uh, icon. Here, you gonna do the? Oh. Whoops! No, we don't even know what to call that. It's a, yeah, it's a backpack. It's an icon. Well, it's, it's a well. It's kind of a lightweight backpack. You can take it to the ham fest, put your gear in it or whatever. It's that string type. Oh, and hang it right on your back. Uh -huh. And you'll just be super in style because it says icon on. For the love of ham radio, yeah. ham mention twenty eighteen. You can get the shot. Yeah, this was part of. Uh, well, the prize packages that uh, ICOM was giving away to some lucky winners at Hamvention this year. There you go. It is Tom Cutter, W6BS, Bravo Sierra. W6BS. Tom Cutter in Carmichael, and California. And that's no... <laughs> yeah. That's it's no a, joke. <laughs> You thought I was going to say something else, <laughs> didn't you? I, mean, I don't know if that's vanity call or not. It could be. Yeah. And where was that? Uh, Carmichael, Carmichael, California. California. Mm -hmm. Congratulations, Tom. Yeah. Congratulations. We kind of we kind of span the whole U.S. from New York to California to, to Florida. Florida. To Florida. Mm -hmm. That's the majority of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, super. Well, awesome. I don't have anything else to give away over here. You got any money, Tommy? <laughs> no. <laughs> you, 
Can you got to roll a rope over here. No, that's my rope. <laughs> it's a nice rope, too. Yeah, that's that master guy rope oh, right there. Yeah, this would be a that nice is, one. That is not cheap old man compliant there. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, all right, as they say. Well, it's been a fun show. It has. And um, glad you could be with us tonight, it was, Jim. It was my pleasure to come back and do the 13th anniversary show. I really enjoyed it. Lucky 13. Lucky 13. Well, you're going to have to drive a few nails and, and come back and see us again. I'll do it. I'll uh, I'll drive a few more nails, and uh, maybe I'll have something RF-related on the, on the breadboard when I ah, come back. Cool. Hmm. Well, excellent, excellent choice of the uh, day as well for the live show, George. Okay. I just caught on. I just caught on to that. The, today's the thirteenth. Aha! Yeah. Well, it just kind of happened because we weren't going to shoot it on the twelfth, but you couldn't make <laughs> <right>. it. <laughs> yeah. So, so well, nice. So, yep. Emil, we owe you that. Uh, and we're we're yeah. out of the. Thank your wife for we're it. We're out of the bubble, yeah. so we have to stop the show. Oh. <laughs> we well, just have to go get with a meal and finish drinking what he's drinking. Yeah, it looks yeah. better than what than the Welch's we had anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His is here's clear. To, here's to thirteen more, right, guys? Yeah, yep. absolutely. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, get the last. Drain it. Yep. Bottoms up, as they say. This was yep. Cantana inspired, though. Cantana inspired, <laughs> the original one. Absolutely. Yep. Was definitely we had to empty that can to build a cantana. Mm-hmm. Was that the episode when y'all drove across that lake and y'all were testing stuff across? That the was the next. That came a little later, Tana. but yeah, okay. that, okay. was that, that was the cantana, I believe. That was really a good episode too. I yeah, enjoyed that. Yeah, that, that was, was a good episode. Yeah. Using like net stumbler or something yeah. like yeah. that. If I yeah, remember. yeah, yeah. If you knew the setup we had to do to pull that off, that was kind of tough. It, we, yeah, it really was, uh, with the gear we had anyway. Yeah, yep. Now, remember there was somebody's wedding in the background or something? Yeah, yeah. That You know, that was pretty early days, Wi-Fi. Yeah. That was yeah. pretty early days. Yeah, bleeding yeah. edge stuff. That's actually, uh, that was a very popular show. Oh, a lot yeah, of people watched it was. That. Yeah. Yeah, probably more than watched any of the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe. There was for years and years. I don't know if it's still that way or not. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we go, um, we just want to thank everyone who has followed Amateur Logic over the years, or and you folks that have come in recently and discovered the show and going back and watching all the old ones. Yep. Um, y'all keep watching. We'll keep doing them. Tommy, any final words for the night? No, I appreciate all you guys hanging with us for so long. It's uh, It's been a short 13 years. It seems yeah. like it's just been no time at all, and I'm uh, looking forward to doing plenty more. Yep. Jim? I uh, really have enjoyed being a part of the Amateur Logic family and looking forward to the next 13 and all the super innovation and tech to come. All right. Email. Well, I'll just say thanks for letting me be a part of it, and thanks for everything y'all do. Y'all inspired me, and I've been going down the track ever since, so hope it is a 13 more. Well, cool yeah. beans. If we inspired email, we're good. We can quit email anytime inspires now. Me, we've, yeah. we've reached the target. <laughs> no, email, thank, thank you for uh, joining us here and uh, you know bringing us some a little 
New Orleans flavor to the yeah. show. And, and helping to keep expenses in order. Yes, that's exactly. right. Uh, what's the title? I forget what you, uh, CCO? Uh, cost Compliance <laughs> Officer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep it going. Good. All right. I just want to thank everyone for, you know, supporting the show all these years. And uh, the encouragement that you give us, it's always good yeah. to, to hear from the viewers. And well, but don't, don't I want to mention the sponsors as well. You know, if, oh, honestly, yeah. if it wasn't for the uh, MFJ and ICOM, we good chance we probably wouldn't be doing this today. Yeah, this is a, yeah. Well, I know we wouldn't be giving away a radio for we sure. sure. Wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> but uh, you know, maybe not even the show, huh? Well, you know, yeah. I don't know. Everything's kind of getting kind of expensive, hosting and everything, yeah. and uh, so who knows? Yeah. It definitely made it possible to do some things that we otherwise certainly might wouldn't not have. have. Yeah. Definitely wouldn't have. Yeah. So uh, thanks, ICOM and MFJ, and all the Amateur Logic viewers. And if you want to get in touch with us, well, you can just email us. You uh, can go to the website, get the email addresses, but it's just our first names at amateurlogic.tv. And uh, if you want to join in our social media groups, We've got a way that you can do that. It's uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash amateurlogic.tv. Yep. Google Plus. Yeah, what's left of it? What's left of it. <laughs> yeah. Well put. <laughs> uh, we got word this week that Google Plus communities are going to be going away. For however Google much Plus. longer it yeah. lasts. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it is like nine more months until they shut it down. Okay. Yeah. It's still there, but we're encouraging everyone to, uh, you know, Move check over. us out at Facebook or and or Twitter. Twitter. Yep. And, uh, of course, where would you follow us on Twitter or who well, would you follow? We've got two accounts there, at Amateur Logic and at Ham College. Okay. And, Jim, do you have any uh, social things you want to plug? Uh <laughs> <laughs> or antisocial, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably a few, but I better not say them out loud here. But no, <laughs> just uh, just no, just uh, yeah. I don't even remember my Twitter handle. Okay, I think it's Jimmy D Burrell. So you probably tweet about as much as I do. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> I read a lot of tweets, but yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't tweet a lot. Yeah. And we're also on. Uh, Instagram, although it's mostly for when we go to Hamfest to post some things like that. So, but uh, if you use Instagram, join us there. Amateur Logic is the account. Yep. Cool. All right, seven three, everyone. Thanks for a great thirteen years, and we'll see you next month. Yeah, Peter's not with us tonight. He is, uh, well, I'm not sure what he's doing because we haven't talked to him in a few weeks. Yeah. But I'm sure he's doing something. <laughs>
Maybe he's watching. Maybe not. But uh, anyway, we'll we'll see Peter. Uh, we will see Peter at some future date a here later again date. with us. <laughs>